Y'all, welcome to RUF. Um, it's so good to see you and be here with y'all in person. Uh, this is kind of amazing. Uh, if you feel like this is helpful to you, if you feel like this will be helpful to someone you know, um, please feel free to invite them. We have space. Um, I think whatever we can do, however we can serve the campus right now and serve one another, um, man, we should do that. And I think this is actually a good service to do for one another. Um, so just let me put that bug in your ear. Uh, this semester we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, next semester we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're looking at the most famous most, maybe the most important sermon that Jesus gave, something that it seems like he gave again and again and again uh, to people so often that they actually wrote it down and they sort of deformed the Gospels. And we're doing this because this is Jesus' take on what it means to be a Christian. It's Jesus' take on what it means to follow him, to know him, what it looks like to lean into uh, what it might look like for God to be at work in your life. Uh, and as we start this... Uh, we start by looking at these blessings that he gives, what's called these beatitudes, and really seeing what does he think it looks like to be blessed by God. And so we're, we're approaching that tonight. Um, and as we approach it, I want to say this, that y'all's story is a big deal, that you live in a story. You probably don't often think about what story you're living in, but you're living in a story in which you're the main character. Your story is one with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in a similar way, the Bible is telling a story with this beginning, this middle, and this end. It's a story that's going someplace. And what story you're in changes what you do in that story. So consider this. Imagine that you're watching a movie, and in the movie there's a guy on a beach. And the water's clear, it's beautiful, there's palm trees, crystal white sand. Uh, he's, he's kind of tan, maybe a little sunburned from being out in the sun. And he's got a phone in his hand. Now, if his story is one where he's this desert castaway and he's been on this beach by himself for months, maybe even years, and suddenly he's found this phone, he's able to call out, what's he going to do with that phone? I mean, the very next thing he would do in that story is he would call someone to come and rescue him. But if it's the same scenario, same guy, same phone, and the story was one where this man is this burnt-out workaholic who's come to, I don't know, the Caribbean to get away from things and is trying to turn off and unplug and stop checking his email for like two days. If he's walking on the beach and he takes that phone and he throws it into the water, suddenly it's a story of freedom. It's a story of rest. But what he does with the phone depends on what story he's in. Uh, the philosopher Alistair McIntyre said this. He said, I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question of what story or stories do I find myself a part of? And what I want to suggest to you tonight is this, that consciously or unconsciously you live in a story, that story is the way that you make sense of your life. Think about the story of your life right now. Like, are you living in a disaster movie? Are you in an epic love story where you long to be with this other person, but these huge, world-changing events are keeping you apart? Are you in a comedy where everything will you know, turn out well in the end, and you'll laugh and roll credits? It'll be fine. What story you're in changes what you do, though. And as Jesus has climbed to the top of this mountain and called his disciples to himself to teach them what he's doing is he's stepping into the story the Bible is telling. And he's saying, hey, look, look. 
You've seen this before. This is what Moses did when he went up on a mountain and he brought down God's law. But Jesus is stepping into this story that the Bible is telling. As he does so, he's moving it forward. As he moves the story of God's people forward, he begins by proclaiming not a new law like Moses, but a new sort of blessing. He doesn't start with things to do. He doesn't start with commandments that, he's gonna, that we have to keep. But he starts with markers of God's work in your life. Those who are poor will inherit a kingdom. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. As he moves the story forward with these blessings, he touches on how you would know that God is at work in your life and at work in your story to bless you. So I just want to look at this beatitude tonight and I want to ask two questions. I want to ask, what is the story of God's blessing? And what is the response to that blessing? What's the story and then what's the response to this blessing? So let's listen to what Jesus has to say. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let me pray for us and we get started. Jesus, I pray, that God, that you would cast a look on us. Lord, that you would see us however we come to you tonight, whether we are tired and worn out and broken down, um, whether we uh, are just so sick of Zoom calls that it feels like our eyes could bleed, whether we're lonely and we're looking for friends. Um, God, whether we feel really good and we feel really secure. God, I pray that you would meet us however we come. And God, that you would move in our hearts and move in our lives to know the blessing that you have for us tonight, the blessing of mercy. May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So what's the story of God's blessing? Well, let's begin by saying that as Jesus blesses the merciful, uh, let's put our finger on this, that he's not giving a command. He's not providing you with a plan. He's not even really telling you necessarily what specifically to do. But what he's doing is he's telling you how to be. He's giving you a posture or an attitude or a disposition in life. And as he does so, what he's doing is he's just asking this big question of what is the story of a Christian? What is the story of someone who knows God and knows God through Jesus? Like, is a Christian someone who reads the Bible Someone who prays, someone who's nice and goes to church. Because you can do all those things and not be a Christian. A Christian is someone whose story is one of mercy. And from that mercy comes all the actions and the activities of life with God. To be a Christian is not like joining a club. It's not like wearing a brand. It's becoming a new person by living the way of Jesus. It's about having the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus shape and guide your life. Because you have this story, it shapes your thoughts, your imagination, your longings, what you're willing to consider or do or not do. And so God's mercy shapes who you are. It shapes everything you'll do. Look, if you believe that the main story of the universe is God becoming a man and serving his enemies and then being nailed to the cross by those enemies and looking over those people and praying for them, Father, forgive them, they know you not then you believe that the story of the universe is one of mercy. If you believe the main story of your life is that God has looked down at you and seen through all your cover-ups and all your weak efforts at trying harder and knowing you should do one thing and then you do the opposite and seen the way that we've damaged ourselves and damaged the people around us 
And that at the cost of his own son, he has had mercy on you. So he will not just make you clean, but he will actually one day remove the effects of sin upon your life. Then how can that not shape your story and what you'll do? God's mercy requires nothing but your sin. But when it shapes everything in your story, it shapes who you are. It washes away your guilt. It gives you a new identity as a child of God. Makes you a new kind of person. Not by making you smarter or more disciplined, but by the simple fact that you have received mercy and your story is shaped by that mercy. And so the blessing of mercy is actually a new story, a new way to live into the world, and it shapes everything. Think about how this shapes love and relationships for you. Look, if your story is one where you haven't received mercy, then you'll be keeping a record of the ways that people have disappointed you or hurt you or hung you up to dry because that's what other people have done to you. That's how your story has looked. And you'll always kind of be keeping people at arm's length. I mean, why wouldn't you? You're looking at their faults all the time. You're waiting for them to push you away. You're waiting for them to call in your record. It'd be hard to maybe to be your roommate in that situation, right? Because you're keeping the score of that roommate all the time. It might be hard to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend. If that's how your life is shaped, that out of you would flow so much criticism and resentment. But if your life is framed by God's mercy, then it means that he's seen all the ways that you've hurt him and you've hurt other people. Instead of punishing you or casting you aside, he's forgiven you and he's promised to be with you and only do good to you. And if that's true of your life, then how can you resent people? Like, how can you cut people off? How can you keep a ledger of all the things that people have done against you? Look, just think about what's going on with the blessings that Jesus is providing here. Look, Jesus has been describing what it looks like to be hungry for righteousness, to mourn over the state of the world, to be poor in spirit. It's like he's building this flight of stairs for you to step up to, and he's saying, if you're someone who's poor of spirit, that's one step. If you're someone who mourns over the world, that's another step. If you're someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, here's this other step. If you walk up all these steps that Jesus builds for us, if you've really met God, received God's blessing in and through those things, then the very next thing that should happen to you is that you should be someone who gives mercy. The reality for all of us is that there are a lot of people right now who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And you see that all the time. People protest. People are mad about the state of the world because they're hungry for a righteous world. There are a lot of people who mourn over the world, but that doesn't become mercy. It becomes anger. It's so easy once you've started to see the world and its brokenness and its sin to get angry and stay angry. I mean, you see that in the news. You see that you know, on social media. You hear that in conversations with the people around you. Maybe you feel that yourself. And it's not to say there aren't things to be mad about in the world. I mean, there are. I mean, the Bible clearly states that God has wrath coming into the world because of the way that sin has wrecked his good creation. But the litmus test of if you've actually met God, been blessed by God, is not anger, it's mercy. Look, if your story is one where God has looked at you instead of raging at you for your mistakes and your sin but he's been kind to you and gentle with you and forgiven you, then your story is a story of mercy. Which means that instead of anger towards the world, your stance has to be one of mercy too. 
it's kind of getting to be like, you know, cooler weather, fall time. Uh, this is the time of the year when we always have like a fire pit and we're starting fires in it. And you ever, like, when you're building a fire, like, you make that little teepee of wood, and you start to light some matches and start to kind of get it going, and there's this moment when you're building a fire when if you blow on it too hard, it'll put the embers out, like, in that little red, like, just baby part of the fire will just die out. But then if you step away from it and you just let it do its own thing, it'll die too. And you've got to blow on it so gently and so carefully and so tenderly, it's, it can blossom and the life of the fire can go. It can provide warmth and heat. Like Isaiah 42 describes Jesus' character like this. It says, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he won't quench. He doesn't break, he doesn't break broken people. He doesn't put out people that just feel like they have the littlest amount of life, the littlest amount of life. He actually gently blows his life into that. He gives life because he's gentle and he's merciful. Do you know that if you're a Christian, that's what Jesus is doing for you? Like right now in this moment? Do you know that if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, that he stands ready to do that for you? That God is mercifully, tenderly, breathing life into the dead places of your story, in the cold, barren places of your heart, And as he does so, he's saying, become like me and do the same for others. Because that's the response to this blessing, right? I mean, when you think about this and Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they'll receive mercy. Does he mean that we will only receive mercy if we are merciful? Like, what does that mean? Like, well, maybe yes, maybe no. Like, his point in this blessing is that being merciful is the natural result of receiving him And experiencing the grace of God. That we don't merit mercy by being merciful to others. But unless we show mercy, there's no evidence that God has actually been merciful to us. That our mercy is a response to God's mercy. I mean, again, it's like he's built this staircase, right? And you get to this step of mercy. And when you get to that step, there's this mirror there. And Jesus is saying, look at your story. Look at yourself. And look at who you are through this beatitude, through this blessing. This doesn't mean that the reason that we get mercy will be the fact that we are merciful as though we'd earned God's mercy. I mean, if that were the case, who would ever get mercy from God, right? Because the whole point of the good news that Jesus brings is not how kind or good or merciful you are. That's not what qualifies you for God's mercy. But what qualifies you for God's mercy is your sin. And it's your brokenness. And what Jesus is saying is the way to know that you're actually standing on this step that he's built for you is that if you're receiving God's mercy, if God's story that he's telling in your life is actually one of mercy, is if you're someone who's able to give mercy. Because if you aren't, then you probably haven't received it. Well, what's mercy then? If it's so important, I should know how to give it, right? I at least should know what it is. What is it? Like somebody once said that kindness is calling a friend when you're well. Like I'm going to call this person and we're going to chat and it's gonna, like I'm going to fill them up. They're going to fill me up. It's going to be so fun. We'll laugh. That's kindness, right? But mercy is calling a friend when you're sick. Like that I'm going to call this person and it's not going to put into me. I'm going to call this person and what I will do is cheer them up. 
but it, it will take it will inconvenience me. It will take away from my time and the things that I planned on doing. That's mercy. Like mercy is not about being nice. It's not about being tolerant. It's about showing concrete acts of love and compassion to people who are brought low by the world or to people who have made a mess of their lives and it's like all their fault. And still loving them, being with them, caring for them. Mercy means to look at the effects of sin in someone else's life and look to help them and relieve them from those effects. It's taking care of your roommate after they've been out all night and partying and washing them up and washing up the place and putting them to bed. Mercy is listening to your friend who dated that guy that you knew was not good for her and being sad with her and listening to her while she tells you things that you already knew were not great about that guy. Like, that's mercy. Mercy is getting down on your hands and your knees and doing what you can to restore dignity to someone else whose life has been broken by sin. Whether that's their sin or whether it's someone else's sin. And so the question that Jesus put in here as we like, are on the staircase and there's this mirror here is, are we merciful? Like, are we merciful? Not do we ignore people who hurt us or sin flagrantly against us and pretend it's not a big deal because we hate confrontation. That's not what mercy is about. But do we see the brokenness in our friends' lives, in our family's lives, in our world's life, and we mourn those things and we hunger for for rightness or righteousness in that and seek to help them and seek to be with them and look to wipe away their tears and look to do good to them, even if it might be their fault. Look, nobody is perfect. No one has arrived. But are you becoming like Jesus in this way? Like everyone needs mercy through their life. Like everybody, I do, you do. But to be a Christian is to follow Jesus and to become like Jesus. It is a blessing to give mercy because it is a blessing to follow in the footsteps of the one who has given you mercy. Do you aspire to give mercy like Jesus? Have you ever stopped for the bruised or the broken? Have you ever given up your time or your opportunities to have fun, to relax, to study? You ruin up your money, not just for people in general, but for like a problem person in your life. Like someone who's like a thorn in your side. Do you, have you ever been merciful to that person? Like one of the markers for someone who is growing and maturing as a Christian is walking into a room like this and asking, what can I give to these people? How can I be merciful to these people? All of us want to be on the receiving end of that person. And man, that could be so good when it happens. But have you ever thought about being that person? Have you ever thought about looking for people to be merciful to? Reaching out to those people, especially now when everyone feels so weak and so fragile. Like we need someone to be merciful to us. Look at REF, we talk a lot about how we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for the good of the campus. And that's true. That's the posture of our ministry. But that posture actually begins with you. If you've received God's mercy, then seek to give God's mercy. And there are a million ways to do that, but let me just suggest one place to start. Show up. Like, show up in a community group. Show up in RUF. 
show up in your friends' lives, whether it's easy for you or convenient for you. But show up and be with them and ask, what is the most basic good that I can do to this person? What's the most basic good that I can do for these people? And as you do that, know that God has blessed you. He's blessed you. So I want to end with this. And I want to say, look, when mercy breaks out in somebody's life, it can bring so much healing and so much good. I had a friend uh, in seminary who told me this story about his life. Um, He had grown up in a really great Christian home. Great parents, loved him. Were not super strict, but also set good boundaries. Like, they did everything right. And he kind of leaves home, and he punts on all that stuff. Like, every good thing they taught him, punted on it. Every right way they told him to go, punted on that. And he just, he kind of goes off the rails. But then, like, summer rolls around, and he doesn't have any money, so he goes back home, and he lives with his parents, and he's working basically, like, at a fast food job. And he's kind of hanging out, working this job, and partying at night. And he comes in one night, and he's like super drunk. Like super drunk. And he barely stumbles into the door, and he just, he's so drunk, his stomach turns, and he just gets sick. Like all over the kitchen. And it's like everywhere. And whether his parents heard that, or they had just been staying up waiting for him to come home, like the next thing is like, click, and the kitchen light turns on. And they're there, and he's drunk, and you know, puke is everywhere. And instead of apologizing or anything like that, he goes after them and starts this really mean name-calling fight. And after 45 minutes, it's, just, it's kind of embarrassing, and he just he goes to bed. He goes upstairs, and he lays down in his bed, and he's just sitting there, and he's listening to his parents clean up his mess in the kitchen. And he has this moment of like clarity, like you sometimes do when after you've had a fight and you you feel terrible about it, and you're sitting there and you're thinking about it. And he's like listening over and over again to the things he said and the stuff he did, and feeling so bad about it, but also so embarrassed about it that he's not going to go down there and say anything to his parents. And his mom finishes his cleaning up stuff, and she comes up to kind of look at him, and she can tell by kind of the way he's laying in the bed that he's still sort of awake. And so she comes in and she sits on the edge of his bed and she starts to rub his back. And she says, Jim, Jim, do you know that you're still a child of God? Like, that's mercy. And that's what God does for us all the time. Like, he sees the ways we try to cover stuff up. He sees our mess. He sees our guilt and our shame And he cleans it up and he comes to us in our darkness and he just rubs our back and loves us in it. And what I want to say, if that's your story, man, give that to other people because that's a really good story. And if you want that to be your story, and God loves to give that story away. All you have to do is ask him for it. I'll give it to you right now. Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are a God of mercy and love and tender compassion. And Lord, I pray that we'd be deeply shaped by that or that we'd love each other out of that. God, that we would look to do mercy and give mercy because you've given us so much mercy through your son, Jesus. 
Lord, let us be agents of healing and blessing in the world because we've been blessed in this way by your son. In your name we pray. Amen.